0: Welcome to the Behaviour
1: Speak Podcast. Now, here's your host, Ben Ryman. Welcome to another episode of the Behaviour Speak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Ryman. On the podcast today, we've got uh, Jude Afolake Olopadun. Did I get that right?
0: Yes.
1: Nice. Welcome to the podcast, Jude. Hi, welcome. i um,
0: happy to be here. <laughs> awesome.
1: awesome. <laughs> Uh, before we get started, uh, I just want to acknowledge that I'm producing this podcast on the territories of the Kala'am and Lehus, Homoko, and Comox First Nations, who were one community before we settlers came in and separated them into reserves. And uh,
2: yeah, just uh, grateful to be here. Oh.
0: Oh, I can do my land recognition too. Yeah, you're um, welcome,
1: please. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I am on Cherokee land. Um, I actually live at the beginning of the Trail of Tears, so it's so I give thanks and gratefulness, acknowledge what was sacrificed for me to live here.
1: Tell people the Trail of Tears. What's the Trail of Tears?
0: Oh, the Trail of Tears was the god how long was it i don't remember how long it was but it was the andrew jackson ordered pretty much the extermination of all indigenous people in the area and had them walk the trail of tears and pretty much it was a, a march of death um to take their land um say to relocate them but a lot of tribes did not make it mm. um sort of a um manifest destiny sort of thing and who yeah, yeah. actually live there to state claim to that land um and one thing i really like to point out with the trail of tears especially when it comes to like racial identity when it comes to privilege when it comes to phenotype is to remember that one of the things that andrew jackson said to to really instill harm and confusion that comes to this day, to the indigenous people in the Trail of Tears, is that if you leave the Trail of Tears, if they do not do this walk, then they're considered white. And I feel like there's a lot of argument today that centers around privilege about the phenotype, about those who are white passing, without acknowledging a lot of the history that was robbed from us, Um, A lot of why that is, why a lot of indigenous people are white passing, why a lot of us, um, what our family histories are and where that Mm -hmm. came, how that's rooted, rooted in racism and colonialism and genocide. And that privilege just doesn't center around appearance. You don't get to negate the pain of what living in the system and the harm that we still live in when talking about privilege. And a lot of it, when we do that, we're mirroring a lot of the harm that was instilled in us in the first place, thinking that we're fighting it. Mm. But we're still still pretty much um, echoing Andrew Jackson, that if you don't do this thing that is harming you, then you're the race that's oppressing you or you then you're not then you're not the identity you are mm. that we continue to rob each other. So we need to be careful in the way that we speak in community with one another and what that means.
1: Wow. Yeah, no doubt. Who's asked is we have uh where I where I live in kind of British Columbia, we have uh, an area called the Highway of Tears. Uh, northern in northern bc it's uh, highway 16 in northern bc i was just talking to talking about this to a couple of guests i'm going to be having on in a couple months a couple of uh, uh, really cool folks Uh, they're both uh, indigenous school psychologists and uh, it just it just happened when i logged it was yesterday i was talking to her. i logged on to zoom and so way up to oh, I'm just working on a poster for the uh, like a month thing that that, that they that they sort of acknowledge and anyway so up in so I mean I think we, I, there's definitely you know a, a lot of history around uh, you know um, um uh, indigenous women just going missing um um from a lot of communities um but in particular in b c this highway of tears. I think it goes, I think it goes between uh, Terrace BC and maybe like Prince George BC or Williams Lake BC. Williams Lake has a, a, a very large, um, really cool uh, First Nation community. Uh, but that that road, um, just a, a lot of women have gone missing on that particular highway in the province. Um, uh, and because there's no, um, and again, it's, there's a whole lot of components. I mean, one of the sort of structural kind of racism components is that there's no, there's no bus service there. So women have to hitchhike to kind of get from, you know, A to B and, and they're taken advantage of and, and, and taken away and, and killed. And, and just, it's, it's, it reminds me of, and these are, I know, these are completely different things, but it reminds me of, in, just in terms of the frequency of, of sort of when we hear about, you know, um, you know, either shootings in the States or, or, or Black folks getting, you know, killed by police or whatever. It just seems to happen over and over again and no one seems to know why or want to do anything about it. And with the women, it was the same thing. It's it still happening today. They just keep going missing and no one's up there doing anything. Um, and um, and so we have a... We have a... And I really, I'm, I'm butchering this. I'm going to have to go look, look some of this up again. But I think it's like a missing and murder women kind of a sort of month where you just sort of really learn more about that sort of thing. Anyway, so it was interesting that they were doing the same down there and had some similar things kind of happening, but uh, yeah, it's called the Highway of Tears, and so I wondered if the Trail of Tears was something similar, and it sounds like it was, There um, is, Um and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the, the whole it's all, it's yeah, it's awful. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: History, history seems to always repeat itself until yeah. change that's needed yeah. it comes forward.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, um, let's uh, let's get into this. So, uh, you know, I, I found you, Jude, uh, through I think it was through the the yeah the, the mindful behavior folks. Hey. I noticed that. Yeah, it's- yeah. Yeah, which are doing a lot of really good work, I think, around kind of. Well, I mean, I think maybe they do a lot of different things, but I think a, a lot of the focus seems to be on, you know, um, on, you know, uplifting and listening to autistic voices and neurodiverse voices and those sorts of things, neurodivergent voices and those sorts of things. Uh, but also, I, yeah, I know they do a lot around, you know, just First off, I think, which is great, is actually actually you know providing, you know, uh, you know paying folks for their work, um, and you know and their labor in this area, uh, and that's I know that's mm-hmm. been a been a big thing for them, um, you know, and and you know uh, Jenny Lee there and and, and Brian Milton doing a lot there, and, and then bringing a lot of you folks on, um, uh, and they do you know. Uh, uh, um, actually, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll, we can start there. Just uh, you can, uh, you know, tell me a bit about sort of what, 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 what happens over at Mindful Behavior and kind of what your role is over there.
0: Okay, yeah. Um. I love Mindful Behavior. I love Brian and Jenny Lee. Um. I was introduced to them through Neuroclastic. They'd seen a couple of panels that I had done through Neuroclastic and um, we had done some together regarding Um, the Judge Rottenberg Center.
1: Very good. (laughs) I haven't haven't heard that one. I like that. Nice.
0: (laughs) I heard someone else do it. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that from now on. Um, And stop the shock. Um, And so with our paths crossing, um, I started doing um, panels with mindful behaviors, speaking engagements. And right now I am actually a service provider through um, mindful behavior. Now I do coaching for like peer-to-peer support for um, like other neurodivergent individuals who want like just like talking counseling um, goals, Things like that. I also um, do coaching for um, parents and caregivers of neurodivergent um, people um, to help give them like map out and navigate an understanding of how to take care of Mm. family, their clients.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, I also do coaching um, for behavior analysts. Mm. And who want help really building the groundwork and um, foundation of framing for how to individualize accommodation for their neurodivergent clients, especially through marginalization, through the lens of decolonialization, um, things that they may not have really um, seen without looking through the lens of someone else. Mm. Um, and mindful behavior. Um, We also do continual educational units. Um, I believe we're all autistic. So there's definitely that autistic Mm. people caring for autistic people in a way that can be difficult if you don't have that lived
3: experience. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say everybody's um, life being autistic is the same. Um, I think that a lot of times people make that mistake, that just because somebody's autistic and you're autistic, that they're automatically going to understand you. Right. Um, but in our humanity, it sort of, it makes it as an easier bridge to that understanding. But we all have different marginalizations. We all have different disabilities that can be overlapping that make us being autistic in our humanity look different from somebody else, mm-hmm. which is, Why it's important for such individualized care, Um, especially in understanding so many overlapping diagnoses. I think that's Mm -hmm. part of my that I really like to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, But mindful behavior, like they said, they're really out to pay their workers and give them fair pay. Um, But one thing I want to acknowledge is is that it's really hard when you're trying to make sure that everybody has fair pay. Um, It's also hard to make a profit off of that so
3: yeah
0: i'm um, really trying to juggle like making sure that we're paid what we can deserve while they own also make that money making the decision oh should we be a non-profit should we do this we're mm-hmm. um, only going to take us seriously if we are a nonprofit. but i want people to understand it's like In order to pay people to survive, we still live in the system. So if you're not going to take something seriously because they don't fit a certain class of, um, I don't know, um, government service, money, whatever like that, Mm. then you're forgetting that we need to eat, too. Mm. That we're trying to do what's best to make sure that we survive while also doing that healing and that care and in that fight. So Take people take people seriously for their words and their action, not in how we have to file um our taxes mm-hmm. in this system. Because I like, yeah. Yeah. I like
1: my. Kids. I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, and we're gonna dig dive deep. I think into some of the stuff that you're that you, like, like the overlapping diagnosis and some other pieces as well. But I wouldn't mind kind of getting a you know, a bit a bit of your story in terms of kind of kind of how you got to this place. I mean, obviously you're autistic and you know and, and I think we know that, you know, to your point, you know, that, you know, there there are a lot of autistic people in the world. And uh and 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 they're 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 not the same, <laughs> you know, that's for sure. Just like there's a lot of every kind of people in the world that aren't the same. Um, and, and not every autistic person is going to be working for mindful behavior or neuroplastic or doing this kind of work. And, you know, and lots of autistic people, you know, don't want to, and don't care and do lots of other things and do everything. I mean, there's autistic people doing everything everywhere. Um, and so there should be, uh, so besides the fact that you're autistic, although that obviously plays a role here. Uh, I'd like to just hear your kind of story about kind of how you got to the place you are around, you know, working in advocacy and working in support and then and, and these sorts of areas. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com or its shop. The first secret word is tears.
0: Yeah. Um... For the past like four or five years, I've been working in like grassroots organizing, um, we're in like queer justice, racial justice, mm. and things like that. And but honestly, what really got me into disability advocacy was finding out, was figuring out my own diagnosis and the journey towards that, and um, a lot of political study at the same time. There was a lot mm. of things, a lot of factors coming forward all together at the same time for like mm. this of this aha moment it's like this is what I'm supposed to be doing and it was a lifelong journey obviously but um I'd say it started really like started like swaying on that path Um, that fork in the road was when my youngest daughter um she had an ADHD well not my oldest daughter she had an ADHD and autism assessment Mm. and um with the assessment, of course, she got diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety. And um, the assessor, the psychologist, he said he he would have diagnosed her with autism, that she was right on the threshold. But because her teacher had put in their part of the assessment, their intake sheet, that my daughter had friends that they didn't. Meet the requirements, and I'm just sitting there like that doesn't sound right
4: mm-hmm. exactly
0: like because they have friends, and also too, it didn't really go into depth and understanding that a lot of those friends that my daughter had she didn't actually know them. these were people mm-hmm. that towards her, but she couldn't these are kids she had known for years, and she couldn't like name them from Adam. It's like that's the girl in the yellow shirt right and that's Naomi, you've known her since like preschool <laughs> um. But that's not in the sheet. That's not in the intake sheet. And so I started really understanding at that point. It's like, something's up with this. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, like a lot of autism assessments, a lot of assessments, they're not covered under insurance. And it's like $500. So it's like, what am I going to do? Come back? (laughs) And it's like, no, that's inaccessible. Um, And so a few years later, um, when I started having um, in 2019, I started having like really bad symptoms that seemed to come out of nowhere, Mm. muscle weakness, Mm. um, I couldn't walk, couldn't really use my hands, um, blindness in my peripheral vision, um, really bad headaches, back pain, tinnitus. Um, and the doctors couldn't figure out what it was, but, um, it's really working my job. Um by the 2021 came working my job, I just couldn't do it anymore because the symptoms were getting so bad. Mm. And I, I knew they were from stress, but like I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. So I figured I'd try to find a less stressful job <laughs> and or at least one that made more money that I could support myself, not necessarily and hopefully make it less stressful. I went to computer I went to college for computer science. Um did not bode well having undiagnosed ADHD autism. Mm. Um, I was diagnosed with OCD then, but I was like, eh, they don't know me. Mm. <laughs> um, but no, it was for real. I wish I would have listened. <laughs> um, but so I was like, why don't I get back into programming again? Like it was difficult, but if I had the right accommodation, yeah. maybe I'd be able to. So I looked up dyscalculia because I know I had dyscalculia. So it's like, what accommodation can I get around dyscalculia so that
3: mm. I can be programmed again?
0: and i noticed that all of the information that i was getting was coming from this what web is this website called attitude.com com. yes
1: i know that one yeah
0: why why is that why is that and so i went to the website and started looking up this like adhd and i was like oh oh and so i started watching like reading a lot of their articles, watching their webinars, and then I remember a webinar came up that talked about the overlap between ADHD and autism, and I was like, you know what, I'll watch it. I got some time today, um, and I watched that, and I was like, oh, oh, look at that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that thing, yeah, all yeah, steps, yeah. so many answers coming together at the same time mm. um that really helped me understand like so much of my struggles during life like i remember being in school they tell us like be quiet it's time to stop talking and, like literally in the same breath as the teacher telling us to stop talking i'd start talking again mm. and it wasn't like it was like my brain just like it's time to start talking again like it like it, it barely registered yeah what the teacher said. it wasn't me trying to be defined it wasn't me like eh, I'm not listening to you like it just like came out my mouth that I had to finish what I was saying yep. and I'd get in trouble about that and having like that validation it's like oh okay but also grieving that it's like oh okay like a lot mm. of the a lot of the things, a lot of the harm I experienced, a lot of the things that I lost without that information. But both of those, it's like happiness, grief, sorrow, and joy and geniality all at the mm-hmm. same time answers. Yeah. Um, but also around that same time, I was joining a lot of um, organizations that were doing political study around like a lot of the um, base reasons of like what is colonialism what was the inaction and creation of this country what is um like the three pillars of white supremacy i'm reading Mm. books um the shaping of black america by laurel bennett um even um just a lot of a lot of indigenous writers um a lot of Even like reading into like Maoism, Leninism, a lot of those things. And just so many of it just made sense at the core with a lot of the diagnosis that I saw with people around me, a lot Mm. of like why I was blinded to and did not give access, was not given access to a lot of the healthcare resources I needed in the first place. Um, This was around the same time as the 2020 riots well with George Floyd so it was just right. a lot of things coming together to where um this this is this isn't separate this is all together this is all interlinking um this there's all a lot of this comes from the same source one has to definitely is it is there is correlation there is causation and correlation in this in this point in time and so what really got me moving towards that path was when I started in restorative justice a little bit before that, because in a lot of organizing spaces, there's a lot of harm too. Like a Mm. lot of people who, they don't have that information of a lot of what it means to really, what is the core of white supremacy and in that harm. And if you don't really address that, then you're going to mirror it Mm. and think that it's liberatory. Like a lot of people think the um, exact opposite of something is what's healthy but Mm. it doesn't have to be the exact opposite it's like instead of it's like oh if we're gonna this is an exaggeration somebody's like oh like if we're going to oppress um black people um or hurt black people like a lot of the things that we've seen in the news is like then we should switch that to strictly to be or majority to be white people and that'll be equality that'll be liberatory and it's like no that's not Mm. that's just same harm um just but in a lot of spaces just seeing and it's like oh let's push towards this goal and any harm that you're trying to say that's being enacted against you that's just being divisive if we just do this thing that I'm telling you to do then we'll make it Mm. um everything will be okay everything's gonna fall into place um just not listening um and I just watched so many organizations crumble and I could see how a lot of it had to do with that it was violence, that people were telling, them, well, this is violence. This is like how this has to be. Um, right. and they were just repeating a lot of the things that they had seen that had been enacted against them and thinking that's what you have to do to get ahead. And I understand that because nobody really taught us what's actually liberatory, what it means to go forward. And a lot of it was that you don't have to ignore harm and that it should be addressed. Um and that a lot more goes into it than just like maybe attacking somebody, calling somebody out. Mm. Um mobility is it just saying like this person um did this and we should shun them and get them out when it doesn't really address so many things and there's so many layers and things like bodily autonomy and consent and community. And so learning about those things mm. and bring that to my community and a little bit after that was when I a friend sent me a post from Neuroclastic mm. about writing um a letter to who we wanted to like and mine was like to teenagers to autistic mm. and I poured my heart out <laughs> into that um especially when it was around the time I hadn't got my official diagnosis yet
3: but I mm-hmm. You know what's
0: going um, on. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I had gone for my diagnosis. I, I that's what I put in. i for heard an ADHD and an autism assessment. That was in the schedule. Um, but this psychologist decided that wasn't necessary. <laughs> mm. He said that because, like, in my intake, I said that um, because I had lost a lot of weight. Um, but I had an OCD induced eating disorder that also included like working out a lot. Mm. Um, so there's that I was like, well, there's the explanation for that. Um, because mm. I had been married before. Um, it's like I'm getting divorced. Um, mm. because um I had kids and it's like for real. <laughs> you say that? <laughs> We're not allowed to have children. How the oh, other autistic no children,
1: no friends, no nothing.
0: Yeah, it's not allowed to have friends. And because I did organizing work, um, because I had a worked a normal nine to five job before, when I told him in that it's like I can't do it anymore. Like I haven't been able to. Um, but all these things came together and he's like, Yeah, I don't need to give you the assessment. But an HD assessment, he still gave me an IQ test. And that's when he's like, oh, okay, I see you being autistic now. Um, But he said that because it wouldn't be a problem that would affect my life, then I don't need the diagnosis. I was like, wow. Um, so that also brought me towards disability advocacy because it really helped me understand, like with my daughter, with myself, that a lot of these intake forms and a lot of what they use to as a diagnosis is based off the people around you and how much of a burden you are to the people around you. So it might be harder to somebody who like their parents, their family, their community is like, no, this this human being deserves these things they are not a problem for me like this is the way that I help you might be less likely to get a diagnosis but yeah. if your parents right in there and it's like I'm really tired of this I have to do this I have to do this this is annoying. They don't pay attention I can't they don't do what I want them to do um <laughs> then you're more likely to get a diagnosis because they um they diagnose who you are based off of how you're perceived by everybody else
3: yeah
0: And it's like, how do you find, how are you allowed to find who you are if you are being told that you have to be defined by everybody else? And so, yeah. But yeah, so I found the letter and I poured my heart out into it. And um, Tara, the CEO of Neuroclastic, like we started really bonding over things. I started doing panels and writing a lot more. And that got me into as the chief decolonizing officer of Neuroclastic. And it really brought me to understanding that my passion and honestly, I feel like my life's purpose is to bring is disability advocacy um, as it, I feel like disability advocacy um, is the foundation of a lot of if most of um, liberatory work that we do because a lot of it, What I've learned is that if you leave any part of the system that you're trying to change, if you leave it intact as is, then it will always be there to be used against you, even if you don't realize it. Because Mm. you're not giving the people who are directly see it every day because they undergo it. um, If you're not giving them the communication that they deserve as a human right, um, then you won't even recognize that it exists. So. When you say, Oh, just listen to me and do what I want to do from what I want to see and from my experience, um, and then everything will be okay, then what's outside of your experience, outside of what you see, else, um, what's within the people that you've stepped on and ignored, mm. didn't even realize it, or you didn't like yeah, yeah. um, that part of the system that they haven't even been able to communicate to you um, is going on, it will be used against you. And so who other than like disabled people to know who are considered that they're not of worth that they're considered um because they're not if they're not efficient producers under capitalism then they're not worth that care Mm -hmm. um thrown away and neglected and especially with like multiply marginalized disabled people who like meet um across so many different paths to come together to live in hell mm. and so if you listen to those who are considered the least among you they're not the least among you we're all of worth in our existence mm. but if you listen to everyone if you do your do your job to create that foundation based off of everyone everyone's human rights not just yourself not the, just the people that you're around that you yeah. see Then you will be able to build a foundation to grow on, Um, and definitely I believe enacting and bringing restorative justice to that as well. That's part of a big part of my work. Um, Then you will be able to enact the change that you're trying to see and trying to live in, and trying to like bring to your life. You can't can't leave people out to live the life that you want because Mm -hmm. then the life that's being imposed upon them is going to come back for you. It always will. It's Mm. like when we were talking earlier about the the MMIW, uh, how it's talking about how it's like history always repeats itself. A lot of what I learned in political study and researching these things and being a community and reading these things together, was that the problems that I saw in the organizations that would rise and fall because of the harm, because they weren't set up for healthy conflict and how to address that, how to help hold each other accountable, how to have these resources, Um, that it wasn't, this isn't a new thing. This wasn't just happening in 2020 or the past um, couple of years I had been organizing. Um, This had repeating, repeated throughout history over and over and over. And so it's like, if I want to be the change that I want to see in the world and help enact that, I have to, sometimes you have to do something differently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You know, you eventually get your own autism diagnosis and and your kids as well.
2: But you said that in
1: 2019, you were, you were having, you know, Pain and headaches and trouble with your hands and those sorts of things. Now, none of that stuff to me sounds like autism. So, um, what was sort of the what happened there? So, what was that, and how does that connect to the to the autism? If, if if that question makes sense.
0: Yes, I got you. And I'd say for just like you, most people that does not sound like autism. One, right. not. They really know to correlate one to the other. I sure didn't until this year. Mm. Um, even with the work that I've done, that was not one of them that I had on the list to even mm-hmm. think about. Um, but so yeah, 2019 going through those problems, doctors did not know what it was. Um, and it wasn't until I realized my daughter was showing the same symptoms and that we got her in with a geneticist. Mm. Um that they, we figured out what it was with um, muscular dystrophy. Now I'm a, manif- uh, a manifesting carrier for mm. muscular dystrophy. And what really helped us to find, like we found it right away. Like after the first uh, round of testing, found it, which honestly I feel like is unheard of. Usually mm. it's like we we went through like a couple of years until we found it. No, first round of testing, we found it. And mm. it was because we're talking to the geneticist um i had their autism diagnosis and i talked about some of their symptoms which included muscle weakness like they haven't been able they're not able to open doors sometimes they're not able mm. like turn door knobs they're not able to open cans by themselves it's very difficult for them to tie their shoes and button up shirts and stuff and so that was enough information. Um, especially with the base of the autism diagnosis um, for the geneticists to test for muscular dystrophy. And it's like, mm. there we go. <laughs> and so even before that, what I knew um, is that a lot of people, a lot of, if not most um, people with autism, they have overlapping diagnoses like even Mm. diagnosis that they thought I had which was intracranial hypertension which is like the swelling of the cerebral fluid and causing inflammation in your brain um Mm. that's still a common overlapping diagnosis with people who are autistic Mm. Um, and that was even before um I knew I was autistic that they thought that's what that was um because I also have swelling on my optic nerves my yeah um papidemia or something like that Mm. um which also is common with people who are autistic um and so a lot of people I'm saying with autistic, we have a lot of overlapping diagnoses um and a lot of people just like why why is that mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and so for me um with what I've looked into it's it's stress like I feel like a lot of people they know like a very basic like her just like stress um can do a lot to the body like it can Mm. affect the body a lot but never going into depth like just how much it can do to your body on like a molecular level Mm. on like the level of your genes um and so um one thing that i've really been looking into um, is the research of sharon Megalith theory I'm sorry if I'm saying her name wrong mm-hmm. I, nobody's pronounced it for me um I remember in like middle school there was like mm. a, a Beverly Cleary book or something like that and it was called like absolutely normal chaos but yep. I had never seen the word chaos spelled out before mm. so I said chaos when I'm asking the librarian for the book and <laughs> years later i discovered that's how you spell chaos and yeah so I, sharon meg theory i hope i'm saying your name right i apologize
1: Yeah, well we'll, we'll 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 figure it out for later and put the short yeah. yeah
0: yeah and so um sharon um she is a board certified psychiatrist who had been practicing medicine for 20 years, but she developed a bunch of chronic illnesses in 2009. Mm. Um, She had mass, some of them were mast cell activation, um, um, POTS, (laughs) um, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, raised intracranial um, pressure, and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome hypermobility type. Mm. And so... She wanted to figure out like why, why she have all these things all of a sudden. And she examined her patients and she examined herself. Um went on, did a bunch of literature, um, went to a bunch of um chronic illness forums to see the characteristics of the peoples with these conditions. Mm. And so, of course, like she found um like a psychological profile. I think it's called CAPS, like a mutation um i forget how you spell it but and so in that mutation she saw that a lot of people had a wide range of overlapping diagnoses um of the same thing of genetic mutation psychic and psychiatric illness neurodivergence um and all of those things and so some of the i'll name some of the stuff mm-hmm. that's um there's Eller Danlo syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, chronic Lyme disease, um, mast cell activation, um, POTS, a lot of pain syndromes, neurological issues, um, restless leg syndrome, um, psychiatric issues. Um, a lot of people, including um, I don't, I don't like call it this list that I'm reading off of. It's called them psychiatric issues, but a lot of these are just the umbrella of neurodivergence because that's mm. how our mind is, and so let's get accommodation based off of that. instead still saying we're sick, um, but like autism, sensory processing disorders, psychosis, schizophrenia, PTSD, mood disorders, um, obsessive compulsive disorders, phobias, emotional dysregulation. Um, hormonal disorders, um, renal issues, GU renal issues, such as diabetes, um, and tinnitus, bruising, bleeding, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, like a lot of these things, like a lot, a lot of these things that a lot of the people that I know who are also autistic have these things that are also in the Rooney community. And so what megalothery really figured out is that these genes um, happened because it's from stress vulnerability. Mm. And so with the stress vulnerability, like understanding, for example, like a person who's pregnant who's going through like a lot of stress a lot of adverse condition that when their child is born um, it can be born with the enlarged amygdala which controls um like your fight-or-flight response
4: yeah
0: and that controls your cortisol um, release um the, the stress hormone um so born with an enlarged amygdala the size of a child who'd been alive for years um, going through the adverse conditions mm. And so, with
1: a lot of these... Are you a solopreneur running your business alone and need help getting more exposure to your target audience while growing your brand? At Beal Marketing Group, we specialize in delivering comprehensive marketing solutions tailored to your unique needs. Our team of seasoned experts excels in crafting creative strategies that captivate your target audience. Build brand authority, generate high-quality leads, and streamline your business processes. Whether you're seeking a brand makeover, effective lead generation, or a plug-and-play solution that takes care of everything for you, we have you covered. Services can include strategy sessions, video editing, social media management, brand board development, and even a virtual assistant. When you choose Beal Marketing Group, you're partnering with a team of passionate professionals who treat your business as our own. We go above and beyond to understand your goals, target audience, and unique challenges to craft tailor made strategies that produce remarkable results. Schedule your free discovery call today at bmgfreeconsult.com. That's bmgfreeconsult.com. The second secret word is Middleton.
0: With a lot of these conditions and understanding that they come from stress, um, that overlap with autism, it's like really understanding too just like how deep in our blood it is. Cause um also what's been noticed is that as it's passed down, um, that a lot of these stress vulnerable conditions they pop up earlier. So it's like, oh, you have arthritis or something like that. That doesn't usually pop up until you're older. But it's like, well, I'm I'm 23 and I have it. So we're we gonna mm. do that and i feel like a lot of the times people they weren't just like oh so how did my parents how did they raise eight kids and have this big house and be able to do all of these things and also like how the civil rights movements or other movements it's like how were they able to do all of these things and like still survive and they look so good it's like mm-hmm. because they did all of those things because they did all of those stressful things that wore them down um it was that that trauma that generational trauma has been passed down mm-hmm. in your blood of in um the science of epigenetics and so it does cause the um those the stressful vulnerability to be increased and so mm-hmm. for um those mutations to be locked a lot earlier um it's mm-hmm. like a silent epidemic so a yeah. lot of it More considered, more prone to AFAB people. Um, A lot of people who, um, especially in families, if one person in the family has it, then it's more prone that a lot of other AFAB people, or a lot of other people in general, and the family will have it as well. What's AFAB? Oh, assigned female at birth.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Yes. Um, and so it's like really understanding too like one a lot of these things they're considered rare they're considered rare that they don't happen a lot so why really look into it why would you really think Mm. of that to look into for somebody but the thing is like a lot of these things you can't find them without things like genetic testing and genome testing
1: Mm. and that's real so so it's not that they're they're rare because no one's looking for them Hey, you got it. Yeah.
0: Um, and especially too, it's like, who's like more stressed out than a lot of the people who are like at the bottom of the rung of capitalism? Uh, Marginal people, um, people who their ancestors are slaves, people who their yeah. entire families have been poor and broke and struggling for generations upon generations people who their ancestors walked on the trail of tears who they've disappeared on the highway of tears Mm -hmm. and they live on reservations where our government abandons them and pretty much like treats them as a um where people think Pretty much that look like third world countries that are all from the neglect and abuse mm. um, of the of the governments that are oppressing them. So it's like who would have more stress to pass down in their blood than these people? But because of their marginalization, because like the inaccessibility of healthcare, care, um, how would they get that testing in the first place? Because we're also mm. um, especially in the past, um, it's improved a little bit more now, but not enough. Um, we're less likely to even get autism diagnosis in the first place. Um, a lot of the times where other mm-hmm. like white counterparts get autism diagnosis, we get um, defiant disorders. Right. I yes. Um, When it's like accommodation, it's like instead of looking, it's like, oh, we've you've tr- our, a meltdown has been triggered, so how can we prevent a meltdown as opposed to they're just not doing what we say, they just don't want to wow. uh, sort of thing. And so... Um, so not even getting that kind of diagnosis because it's inaccessible. Cause like a lot of them don't take insurance, um, if they have insurance, um, so like $2,500 for that. And then with the inaccessibility of like genetic testing and who a lot of doctors don't even think about that, like your general physician to get to a geneticist in the first place, you have to have a recommendation. Mm. And so you have to find a doctor who's going to listen to you and who's right. going to, t- to account your symptoms that you may not even understand mm-hmm. what's going on and point you in the right direction. And then because it's considered, oh, this is considered rare. But it's like if you tested, a, um, if you gave access and the resources um, for testing to uh, marginalized communities, you'll right. most likely that this isn't so rare, that it's like very common. Most and, pro- and
1: probably more common than in the white community.
0: Yes. And that um, a lot of people who find like this being disabled as a dirty word, that they're disabled themselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things that they're struggling with, that they push through, um, that they um, look down on other people because they're not able to mask those symptoms, that they might have it too. And they're like one one virus, one sickness, one like breakdown away from not being able to do it anymore. And needing a doctor to find out that they have these things as well, that there's words for these symptoms um, that they're going through, that they have diagnoses, that they're struggling not because they're lazy, not because they don't want to, um, not that they're constantly gaslighting themselves, not understanding that the stress that they're going through um, of having to push forward, of not having... Only getting enough money to have gas to go to work and back, let alone for food, let alone for housing, let alone for clothes, let alone for school supplies, let alone for surviving. It's like all of that stress adds up. And then it's like a generational trauma of that stress. um, That's um of of always not knowing where your next meal is going to come from, of always having to like. And autistic people like having the mask, having to hold in your stems, um, having to um, conform, having to follow blindly, and not understanding why you're doing something, but knowing that if you don't do it, then you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be ostracized, mm-hmm. you're going to be withheld love and care and community. Um, and so, all of these things are stressful. And a lot of these things, though, we were born with. Um, to be more prone to developing them we weren't born with them actually mm. and so we're being unlocked earlier and earlier right because of stress and and understanding that too that really helped me calm down On a mm. woman well, well, mm. yeah honestly yeah calm down um <laughs> But just like understanding too, because like with my illness, especially when we thought it was when I first thought it was intracranial hypertension, because I do have other family members who had intracranial hy- hypertension mm. died. Um, but I knew it was stress induced because I knew that every time that my symptoms were exacerbated, it was around very stressful times in my life. And I just didn't know how to connect that or click it together. And I didn't have the words. I didn't have the resources. And finding these things out and going further into diagnosis, it clicked. And there's just so much that really helps me understand, too. And It's like a lot of these things, they should be treated as a part, a recognition of our humanity and the harm that comes from that. So instead of forcing people to have to conform a certain way and do things a certain way and understanding just how stressful, what that stress that you think is in a little bit, that, that stress that you think is not a lot, that that's just life. And it's like, mm. yeah, this is what life is doing to us. Yeah. So instead of forcing the person to change, maybe let's change life.
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. We're all worth it. You're worth it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: What I'm wondering, I guess, is, you know, I'm thinking about in in your advocacy roles and your roles at neuroplastic and your role in mindful behavior. Knowing all this stuff. And now you're now you're consulting with a, you know, say a behavior, you're consulting with a behavior analyst, you know, who's who's working with, you know, autistic kids. Um and, you know, they're, they're doing their thing.
2: How do you sort of, you
1: know, cause I think one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the things about behavior analysts is we're very, very stuck in, you know, show me the data, show me the peer reviewed journal article, you know, uh you know that says that and 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 if someone has an opinion that doesn't have the data or the peer reviewed j- journal article then we're not going to listen to it because you know that's uh, well, partly that's what we've been taught but also i think it's a good sort of way of avoiding sort of dealing with um, you know the opinions and thoughts of others is because it's not in a, it's not in an article or whatever so what i'm getting at is is um you know well, I guess what, what I'm wondering about, and, and this is sort of around, around sort of all of these sort of overlapping diagnoses and whatnot, how do you sort of help someone like me, you know, who's working, you know, w- you know with, with with autistic kids and, you know, wondering why, you know, things aren't going so well or wondering why, you know, um, you know, just not being aware of sort of all these other possible co-occur- co-occurring things that are that are there, they're just not diagnosed. And, um, you know, what am I as, as a behavior analyst supposed to do with that? I, you know, um, I think I know the answers, but I, I kind of want to hear from you as, as sort of coming in and giving that sort of support to them. Do you know what I mean?
2: I think so. Hmm. Um, part, of- <laughs> um, part of
0: what I like to do, which... I feel like it is a little bit different than like what I initially started out doing mm. is having instead of giving answers it's like, well, this is what you should be doing, yeah, it's helping behavior analysts helping other people figure it out, mm. them ask the right questions mm. instead of like having like an intake like how like intake forms. Just ask this very specific set of questions that are yes. only going to be a very specific set and range of answers. It's like, it's time to ask, it's time to start asking different questions. Mm. And part of it, and yeah, it's about like changing an intake form, making it more personalized, more accommodating, but also it's like asking the question about like who you are and what you want out of life. Mm. You want somebody to treat you like this? If mm. you were in the same position as your client, do you think you're deserving of the same treatment? as that mm-hmm. you are doing to them? Mm.
3: Why
0: don't you go? Why don't you go ahead and do that treatment?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I have a a friend who is a behavior analyst. Um, her name's Kina Garcia. She's mm. wonderful. Mm. Um
2: Where? Um,
0: She had, she asked educators to do, I think it's like something about pretty much you're not allowed to move or anything and you have to concentrate.
3: Mm.
0: And so she asked the educators to do the same thing Mm -hmm. as what they do to the learners. And it's like, oh, this is very uncomfortable. I don't like this. Um, And it's like, well, that's what you're doing to the learners. Mm -hmm. So if this is uncomfortable for you, what do you think it is for these children? Um and so it's like really looking, it's like, so what is your goal in being mm-hmm. a waiver And mm-hmm. it's like, how would you feel if somebody was treating you this way?
4: And mm-hmm.
0: wouldn't start like really, it's like, so if I started telling you about yourself based off of like an uh, intake form off of just like being around you for an hour a day for mm-hmm. like a um, month, would I know you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would I know mm-hmm. what's best for you? Right do you know you do you do you know you better than i know you Mm -hmm. probably i think so so why do you think that for your clients that you know them and you Mm -hmm. know what's best for them better than them and it's like understanding too it's like there's so much science and so much even peer-reviewed articles don't we learn that they're wrong and that the information that we had before there's more to it And I I still feel like that information is important because it helps us understand what we built upon Mm. and understands where we came from and exactly why certain things are wrong so that we're not necessarily, we don't have that confusion. So we're not following blindly. Um, Mm. But it's understanding that a lot of this individual accommodation is like, if you hurt, if you're hurting this client, you're hurting yourself because you're Because if you believe they're deserving of that harm, then you believe that you're deserving of that harm, Mm. too. And and that it is harm and really breaking it down, why it is harmful. And a lot of that comes with like cross marginalization or honestly, it comes to really getting to know your client, Mm. getting to know them as a human being, not just as like somebody that you see. Um, not just as a not just as a client, but as like a human being, and a human being's means mm-hmm. um, and infantilizing them, even sure. if they are what it means for like bodily autonomy and consent. And that's what I do with restorative justice, too. And it's like everybody's allotted to their body. Mm-hmm. um own their body. you don't own their body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's not really helping teach discernment, and you just telling them what they do, what they have to do instead of helping them figure out why. They're doing this. And a lot of times in understanding why something's done a certain way, you can find that there's other ways to do it. Mm. And so in understanding, trying, you're trying to help your clients, your learners to learn discernment. It's like helping behavior analysts learn discernment too. Because a lot of the things that they are imposing on their clients, it's been imposed upon them. Mm. That you're just following something blindly because somebody Mm. told you the way yeah,
3: way yeah, for sure
0: nothing outside of it and really when you do look f- further into like understanding which stress vulnerable conditions and what induces this stress and how that stress is imposed in like systemically on so many levels in a system that includes you um, that includes you being harmed too it's really understanding from that it's like well how do i reduce that harm and it's never always going to be completely taken away because we still live in the system. And so it's called harm reduction.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so how do we reduce this harm? And a lot of it, too, a lot of what makes it really hard, I feel like it's not just the fact that it's not like peer reviewed. It's not in the mediums that y'all are used to. Um, it's because it's really hard to reflect and sit in being told that you've hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. You've been hurting probably hurting people for years regardless of the reason, like that's really hard to be able to do that.
1: Yeah.
0: Like that. And so (laughs) rather than, that that causes a lot of guilt. And like someone like with my OCD, it was very guilt fueled. Mm. And it made me just want to push away what was causing the guilt. If a person was causing the guilt, I would still do the same thing because out of like that familiarity, out of that obsessive loop, out of that need to do it for what I know. Um, and so that can make it really hard to move forward, but in acknowledging you've done harm, that's an opportunity for change behavior to make amends,
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, to take accountability and to move forward with change behavior so that you can be a model of that change behavior. And one thing I think people make the mistake is putting a lot of their time and energy into trying to change the minds of people who are committed to misunderstanding them. And so when, like, trying to, like, help other behavior analysts understand, um, a lot of the time you have to remember, it's like, talk to the people who want to understand. Mm. Don't. Go on like social media and you see people maybe spouting like harmful rhetoric of what they've learned or what they know, um, and attack them or get on them and then like have a back and forth. Mm. That's that's very stressful, and if you are understanding that stress, you don't want to put yourself in stressful situations, even if you feel you're doing it for the good fight. And that's going to happen. There are all going to be times where in need stressful, stressful situations for liberation, mm-hmm. but have the discernment to choose your battles. And if you're constantly fighting people about things where trying to change their mind, when there's plenty of people out there who you can more attract to you in that change behavior, in mm-hmm. your belief, in setting up, it's like, well, I have this, I have this work, I have this framework based off of that's supposed to be accommodating and healthier and individualized and more understanding of autistic people that are divergent people. Mm. And you can attract those people. You can like put up advertising word of mouth and get that general audience, but just fighting people individually, you're gonna burn Mm. yourself
1: out. No, I get that. I get that. So uh, so I'm I'm wondering about and that makes a lot of sense for sure. And, and and uh and I'm wondering about I'm kind of going back to these the I keep going back to these, this overlapping diagnosis thing because if folks aren't getting the diagnoses, so you know, whether it be you know something you know as potentially debilitating as something like you know, MD or the LRDnos or other things like that, or Things that might be, you know, um still debilitating, but less, you know, maybe less obvious. Um, like I remember, I remember when I had I had when I had Tara on, um uh, and she was telling me about um kind of uh it was I think it was a um it was, it was I can't remember specifically, but she was talking about motor skills and 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 sort of motor skill deficits that you know a lot of autistic folks can 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 often have um and uh and there were some specific syndromes and things that she named that I can't remember right now um that we don't think and that and that sort of you know our early intervention kind of ABA type programming you know uh you know would ignore those things and would just essentially you know you know it's it's defiance it's non compliance or whatever you want to call it um, refusal when it's when it's actually you know physically unable um, um you know there's <laughs> even if i want to do this i can't do this because you know i i have you know one of these sort of syndromes mm-hmm. or things going on now if 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 there's a lot of these sort of common disorders that are are rare solely because they're not being diagnosed solely because the system won't even you know look for them to be diagnosed or won't even you know won't even bother sending the referral out um but these kids and these adults and these these people still have these things they're they're still there whether whether we label them or not they're still there you mean you'll 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 still have you know you know muscular you know you know a weakness and and be unable to walk whether you get an md diagnosis or not you're still going to have the symptoms how does what i think you know something like m d like if, if if suddenly the individuals can't walk I mean something like that's gonna be pretty obvious i, I would hope um and 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 lead to some some more questions but some of these other sorts of um um you know co-occurring disorders especially some of these ones I think that are less common like the you know allerdaos I don't think a lot of people know about that one i I've done a little bit of research on it just to learn a little more about it. I still don't know anything about it. Um, um, and some of these other ones, uh, you know. There is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human Expressions gives black and brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At Human Expressions, the benefits of representation for black and brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem, reducing stereotypes, and increased validation and support. To learn more, go to www.humanexpressions.org. That's human, H-U-E-M-A-N, expressions, dot org. The third secret word is POTS. How does someone as a behavior analyst you know, who sees, who's working with a lot of autistic kids or, or autistic clients or whatever, you know, sort of navigate the possibility that these things are there and then, you know, change their ways as a result when they don't even know what they are. Do you know what I
0: mean? hmm No, I, I definitely know what you mean because I honestly was having a similar conversation, I feel like, or it might have been in my head. But honestly, I'd say one of the safest things to be able to like look into that and take that into like what's the word? I don't know. Um, But honestly, always in understanding such a large overlap with people who are autistic, Mm. just automatically assume that one of those or multiple of those are there. Mm. So that like you have like other things that you would usually look out for, look out for these overlapping diagnoses, Mm. like how you might know, like, oh, you're autistic, you probably also have ADHD. Um, I'd say. Read up on get that list, um, bring further understanding of these stressful conditions and go ahead and already assume that there's more in there, because a lot of what we see as autism. I would say is also an overlap with those conditions. Like, mm. for example, um, I went through um, ketamine infusion therapy to help with my OCD, mm. and it it helped a lot. Like, honestly, it was changing. I had OCD induced eating disorder for 15 years, mm. and now I don't. <laughs> and so, yeah, I all Amazing. the praise for that. But one thing I noticed was like, especially with my OCD. It made it very much so I describe it like 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 a bunch of atoms just vibrating in place. Like they there's no room out there constantly vibrating. But like and with that, it just I looked like a a healthy functioning adult because I had mm-hmm. to have everything um in um everything had to be aligned, everything had to be neat and cleaned, I had to do I like I had to do this. I was like pushing myself forward because like they were compulsions and I had to have all these things together, but it mimicked and looked mirrored what like a healthy function adult who has everything together. Mm. Um, but after ketamine infusion therapy and a lot of those, those ruminating thoughts and compulsions helped me like brought a lot more ease to it. Um It felt like mm. I describe it, like, you know, the DVD menu where it's like going on the walls. Like that's where my thoughts were mm. now. It's like, Oh, Okay. Like, so a lot of my ADHD symptoms were a lot more pronounced after getting treatment for my OCD. And so a lot of these overlapping diagnoses cause symptoms that either make it harder to diagnose one thing or mm-hmm. the reason that symptoms look like that is because of the layering of those diagnoses so a lot of it too i feel like is instrumental in looking more into and studying more into these things because it might be hard for you to come to a conclusion because what you're used to or what your understanding of something is or what it looks like in one person it looks like this in another because of layering of mm-hmm. these conditions like we i remember Neuroclassic classic had a panel with an ocd specialist and um what ocd looks like a person with OCD, they can tell mm-hmm. you exactly what their trigger sure. was, yeah. but a person with OCD and autism cannot. Mm-hmm. They don't know exactly mm-hmm. what triggered or what's causing their ruminations. Right. And, and so that's important to take into consideration when treating somebody with OCD, that a um, mm-hmm. treatment plan, um, an right. accommodation for someone with OCD um, is not going to, you can't use the exact same one as somebody with OCD yeah. and autism so a lot of it
3: okay
4: yeah it
0: has it's i feel like it's instrumental in understanding that they most likely have more of these things and digging mm. deeper into what they can look like individually together that overlap and you might do a lot of it i say y'all you'd probably be discovering a lot of things that nobody else did because nobody's looking into these things um, one thing i'd really for example a lot of where meltdowns
3: mm-hmm.
0: um can come from is not only like sh- the stress and yeah, stress yeah, isn't yeah. just like outside factors um can also be things like viral stress and like your immune system. and so um, a lot of like exacerbated right. or people consider like stereotypical yep. autistic mm-hmm. symptoms and like in meltdown can actually come from um an immune Mm -hmm. an autoimmune response where your immune system is attacking your brain and um gosh what is it called um gosh i have to look it up auto
3: yeah
0: autoimmune encephalitis oh thank goodness yeah My search history news. Um, Mm -hmm, the autoimmune encephalitis, which can cause a lot of the symptoms that are considered to be based for autism, can be extremely exacerbated. Mm -hmm. And so if your immune system is attacking your brain, like what what do you think all like your able process do? Like you think you're able to like you're trying to get like your child to do something. And their brain is literally in flames. So they're not okay. able to listen to you because their brain is on fire. Um, but you're still forcing mm-hmm. them to do this and saying, like, oh, you're not listening to me. You're just not, you're just being defiant, you're just being disrespectful. Meaning your brain's on fire. And that's also something to take into right. consideration, with things like police violence, where it's like, oh, they didn't listen to orders. Um, need this. Because a lot of people who are in the system, too, are disabled, who are neurodivergent. And so things like, oh, they, were, they didn't get on the ground when they told them. And it's like, well, my brain, their brain was literally on fire that was triggered from stress that triggered this autoimmune response that caused, so oh, they couldn't hear yeah. you in the first place. So part of it is normalizing these things because a lot of it, you're building like step one for this to be out in the world. Like right now mm-hmm. we have the autism lawsuits going on with like Tylenol and things like that. If if you've seen that where it's like, oh, okay, where a lot of people are suing, um, they're not actually suing Tylenol. I found out like they're suing like Walmart and CVS and stuff like that, saying that um, Tylenol caused their children to be autistic and because like scientists like they mm-hmm. found like a, like a tylenol in like their spinal cords or in um like, bilical cord or something like that and that mere traces of that was found in children who were found to have autism
4: mm-hmm.
0: no in the understanding of a lot of these diagnoses a lot of these diagnoses are come from are triggered by inflammation
4: yeah
0: and so an understanding that a child who was born of mm. a parent who's going through very mm-hmm. adverse conditions and stressful conditions that can trigger stress that i mean that trigger inflammation and what treats inflammation rather yep. than tylenol tylenol is that yep. go-to tylenol is that girl uh, for treating inflammation and fever and things like that so i feel like and a lot of this, they're saying it's like, oh, my child has autism, made them sick. But, and I feel like especially like as behavior analysts and caretakers and providers, this is the chance to set the base where it's like your child's yeah. not broken, your child's not sick and setting the base and understanding these overlapping conditions and the stress from and where they come from, um, you'd be able to say this um, rather mm. than, um the money that's being awarded like millions. It's like maybe you should have genome testing instead. Maybe we should look into the environment, what you're going through. Um uh, maybe it's like what what else do you have hmm. yourself? Like do you have any kind of autoimmune disorders? Um what in your family instead of blaming Tylenol, which could be somebody saving grace. Like for muscular dystrophy when my right. daughter was having very exacerbated symptoms um ibuprofen and benadryl is a lifesaver they're anti-inflammatories and so Mm. if you if you go and say it's like oh if you take Tylenol your child's going to be autistic and the base is actually because of these stressful conditions that of living uh, living under um, capitalism in itself and you're blaming just the medicine that could really Mm. help you in that moment um you could be putting people in danger because they're not going to take Mm. high inflammatories anymore. They're not going to take a acetaminophen because they're scared that the worst thing in the world is going to happen. And that's their child having autism. And another thing I looked into with that lawsuit was like, let me, let me see what's going on with this. So I I filled out some paperwork and to see if I could file. And I wasn't, um, I didn't qualify because I had high blood pressure when I was. pregnant, And. Not to say, and the people who and there's um, the people who are most prone to having like, high blood pressure in pregnancy are Black people, mm-hmm. and it kills. Them. Um, it's a silent killer of preclampsia. Yeah.
3: No, that's, that's but also
0: looking to that um, Black people who high, have high blood answer. pressure in pregnancy. But uh, also you you want talked about the list. Have autistic children.
1: Where, where does one find a list? And so and it's, it's like, like kind of look out, like already. recurring disorders. Box, you racist. can probably find a list. Or... <laughs>
0: Uh, right there it's like there's so many problems with this lawsuit um that this could have been set at base to make common knowledge be common care and then common love that your child is not a burden because they're autistic that your child's autism is passed down genetically based off of like so yeah, many yeah. environmental factors that was breaking, stressing you out, and breaking you down, which caused that mutation in your genes. Um, that helps, like, if you understand if they already understood the inflammation and understanding, like Tylenol helps with yeah, that. So, like having no, all I'm of these things can look it up and, that and could be set
1: just, uh, as a
0: foundation, you know, uh, they're healthcare I mean, providers. For
1: me, I don't even know what half of these are. So,
0: they already have you know, this understanding. Um, no, knowing. I don't so, know a lot of these called, things end up being the change. Well, no, Having it as a face, I've heard of, you know, with. I think a lot, I
1: think a lot of us are familiar with some of the more not the more common ones but the more, you know, commonly diagnosed ones. Maybe visible ones like you know, OCD and anxiety and ADHD I think are are ones that more more of us are, are familiar with. Although I I don't um, know Um honestly
0: yeah, with. you can um I'd say starting starting know, with the list that i started example, with and like branch out to a bunch of other things
1: um, you know, but it's actually it's called I for me, um, I'm, I'm, the I'm rccx to, I'm genetic speak as other are module this, but i know for me and it'll um, come up you know with i definitely the, used um, to think that you know um
0: it'll come up with the period um, this is before i knew anything
1: about adhd and before i got my own diagnosis um, but a, it's a i used to think that, um, yeah, um, ADHD was just, you know, sort of autism idea. light, in the um, And, uh, you know, some people with ADHD, some uh, with ADHD and this is yeah. dating me about, a bit, yeah. you know, would often get an Asperger's diagnosis, which they called it back in the day. Um, um, yeah. And, uh, but anyway, I, I digress. But point being, I, I think folks are familiar with some of those more common, commonly diagnosed, like you said, more visible ones. Um, uh, but I think there's a lot of it sounds like there's a lot of ones that because I I think I'm also thinking about sort of the clients that aren't able to speak to us um, and, um, and are often, you know, uh, and, and I don't know, and feel free to correct me. I don't know what acceptable terminology is these days. Um, uh, But, you know, folks, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, fall in the more kind of severe profound end of things as far as, you know, um, you know, these are the folks that are, are living in sort of 24 hour care and, and uh, you know, you know, have, you know, higher support needs. Thank you. Um, um, you know, it wouldn't be surprising that a lot of sort of the, the, you know, sort of the behavioral issues that we see, you know, around sort of the, you know, aggression and, you know, ripping down walls and, Hurt mom and dad, and those sorts of things, you know, are a result of, you know, a lot of these co-occurring disorders, you know, and, and, you know, not, you know, not the autism itself, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks just sort of say, well, they're autistic. Um, they have a low IQ, and we don't have, you don't have to convince me in the IQ conversation. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a pointless diagnostic tool. And, um, um, and so that's why, you know, and so, you know, they're essentially just, you know, infants that, um, you know, and, and that's why, you know, they're engaging in, in these sorts of behaviors when it could actually be, you know, they've got crazy migraines, you know, they've got, um, they can't see, you know, they're hearing, Higher running, support needs. Um, you know, they, they literally can't hold that cup that you're trying to make them hold and you know that's why it's now in your being thrown at your in your head or whatever you know it's not because you know of other reasons and so um you know I, I just I think it's it's a real eye-opener to sort of for me to kind of look back because a lot most of my experience has been working with sort of folks with these really high support needs I haven't had a lot of as much most of my experience were you know with with folks that have you know sort of quote-unquote lower yes. support needs are are folks like yourself that I've just talked to you know and had conversations with, not kind of worked with um um and so you know it just you know there's certainly some some guilt and shame on my part wondering about sort of you know the many assumptions and I made about these folks that could have been related to some of these disorders, and some of these folks actually you know eventually were you know diagnosed with you know severe illnesses, and some died, you know, um, uh, in the past, um, that because we didn't even look, look for those, look, look at these things as symptoms. We looked at them as behaviors. Um, And, uh, uh, and certainly sometimes behaviors can be symptoms, I know that but uh, we don't think of the behaviors as being a, a result of symptoms of these sort of medical symptoms. And so, again, not sure what my, what i'm asking but more just more more commenting that you know i don't think we think about those things we don't think about these sort of un, you know lesser lesser less common less visible um type things that maybe a lot of these folks are are dealing with on a day to day basis
2: Yes. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. hmm Mm-hmm.
3: No,
0: exactly. And I think part of it is it's not just like looking at that list of those conditions which is instrumental but mm-hmm. also looking at the list of stressors that cause those those like really understanding like what is racism and understanding racism is isn't just like the um dislike or discomfort or prejudice of another race it goes way far beyond mm-hmm. that like what are these environmental factors that are the problem what are um what does the different layers and levels of marginalization how is that stress paying into this person's life because it's giving like there can be a general base but you're supposed to grow on that general base and not just continue for it to be just like one general thing that's when you need to individualize it but if you don't understand yeah. how that marginalization and that um the stress that comes from that works then it's going to be hard for you to apply that care and yes and can communicate with that person. But like you said, what about those people who are nonverbal or who you haven't been able to found how to um, award them the communication that they deserve to exactly figure out Mm -hmm. what's going on. If you had the same like when you get your education, become a a behavior analyst Mm -hmm. and educating yourself and finding um like the literature and talking to people with the lived experience of exactly where these, how this foundation was built. Of understanding, like the school Mm. prison pipeline, understanding a lot of the inaction of like understanding redlining, um, where they um, have food deserts, and um, like things are like food deserts, and where like how gerrymandering Mm. affects these things. Understanding a lot of the laws that are being passed right now. So if you have a queer. Uh, a queer client or a child of like in a a queer family so understanding the stressors that are going on in their life and um that may go even beyond what they're able to communicate to you or what their families are communicate to you and understanding that a lot of your clients um they their parents or something like that are going to base them off of how much of a burden they are and so that's going to cause you to build a plan based off of how much of a burden they are. Mm-hmm. But if you build a plan based off the information, more and more of information about their humanity and what's affected their humanity, what's built up their humanity and how that, those things that have affected their parents' humanity and their grandparents' humanity and the people around them, Um, mm. It's okay. a lot of these things where you're saying, it's like, well, I don't understand yeah. this. There's no, um, peer-to-peer it's not peer-reviewed support it's like no there's actually a lot of peer-reviewed su- support um in the um in the places that you're not looking and it's not just within um mm-hmm. like ada it's not just in i'm looking up psychological disorder it's that makes it's a lot of sense because i mean as behavior uh, analysts we're not looking at that stuff so why would it right be in our up, um, the three pillars in, of in white in supremacy. It's looking up in fact, I mean, um, the shaping of black uh, right uh, you know, hair. It's looking up um, school to prison white It's looking up the state living right now. It's looking at things like so, the trail of tears. Which is it's looking at kind of
1: go look for that. Kind um, of the history yeah,
0: right. that has um, brought marginalization cool. to what yeah, it is today.
1: too.
3: Um, understanding um, how it's just
0: cool there's cool in the sense of you know just into the open up my mind of the sort person of, before you
1: you know looking at things you differently because uh, if that's what you're asking into for, things asking that i wouldn't that have thought to look into before
3: evidence there's um, plenty of it and, out there. just
1: the you know and, and really you know you're big
0: ba- yeah, you're basing yeah, it yeah, on a information, in and, and 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 it may not be, and it may not be able to get that information from the parents, parents. either, because the like, parents also like like are in this system. Um, and our are behavior, also, like our you know, symptoms, be, like, So it's time to look
1: know, out the rest know, of humanity and how that's built. For the folks, for the parents that were to even get a diagnosis, many times that diagnosis was given, you know, in the frame of, I got some bad news for you. You know, yeah, Ray your not. life's about to yeah. be ruined, uh, you know, yeah. um, and uh your child's never gonna do any of these things because you know, a lot of the medical professionals are you mm-hmm. know, are just so clueless themselves as far as sort of the potential and the and and, and the and the possibilities. And so yeah, it's uh yeah, it's
2: uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, how do you, you know, and this is more rhetorical, but like, how do you, mm-hmm. if it's reasonable,
2: why would you want to think a different way?
1: You know, like, what, why, why would you, you know, hopefully after a conversation like we're at, we've had today, that's why. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, what, you know, the, the society is not, it just it makes me think about sort of what you know what advocacy should look like from our end too as a behavior analyst you know like we should be because you know we're being recognized as a sort of quote unquote expert or something in 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 this area in which we are clearly yeah. not um, and I think too, um but we're, like we're building but, it but on we're, we've been given that, power.
0: that- um, a lot of what subject
1: matter expert is sort of um, just it's you know uh, position, and so you know, I, th- I think something to
0: perfectly reasonable response. I'm, I'm starting
1: to, to see it on on some levels, this. particularly kind of in I think in in the racism realm um, uh, that we're starting to see you know behavior analysts kind of getting into the sort of social justice circles and kind of doing social justice work. Um, it's mostly black behavior analysts um uh you know that are sort of addressing some of the more you know um you know overt kind of forms of racism you know police brutality is a big one I think um um you know and then certainly just um, um you know safety child safety and in and, and you know harm reduction that kind of thing uh but I think I I just feel like we need to do a whole lot more work, you know, kind of re-educating the world on a lot of this stuff um, because people aren't people aren't listening to you folks, <laughs> you know. And when I say you folks, I mean the autistic advocates and, and that sort of thing. But um, um, you know, I think we're, I think we're trying. Some some of us are trying to, but you know, it's uh, you know, you've been. You've been quashed and kind of oppressed every step of the way of your life um, uh, in different ways. And and whereas, you know, folks like me, especially folks who look like me uh, and that identify like me have a lot more power to kind of speak up and make some change here. But I don't I don't you know, I don't know.
2: I don't know if we'll do it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No it's it's that's scary and it's it that can be debilitating in itself when like you fight mm-hmm. forward with this new understanding and then understanding that not everybody is at the same point in that journey. And so they don't believe you and they harm you for it. And like I think one mindset that is good, that is helpful, is like I think a lot mm. of it is ego. <laughs> a lot of it and no a lot of people don't like their ego being challenged. I don't <laughs> I've I've had to learn to like confront my ego like each and every day. Um and so what I've what helps me really i don't think we should really think of ourselves as being like authorities and things no matter how much we learn there's always more to learn and that there's this person who we feel that doesn't knows less than us that knows something mm. different knows more a certain way than we don't so to continue and understanding mm. that on this journey through life and as we are to aim to do no harm and to help each other and accommodate <laughs> each other that we're always going to be learning and that we are students of one another that we are yeah, teachers and students but <laughs> we are not masters and slaves we're not, it's not supposed to be <laughs> that way <laughs> that we're taking the information no, that we're no, think that's one a great great point i think, I think uh, we're digesting it yeah. to bring that yeah, out I, I, and apply to the it world certainly uh, change the mind, from and also
1: it's not mine but if we my role Stay, individually keep ourselves sort
0: of, on like pedestals that you know, like i changed the system so much more i can because just I do what I, I can do and
1: i do the work all i can do and, hope and i hope other people and it's like
0: you don't know, like you don't know, you know do their part as well, well and
1: you know i hope part of it is is um, listening to this interview and some ideas to
0: come and together with those
1: how folks can and bring rethink knowledge rethink and things and hopefully one thing they get out of this interview is that they can go to mindful behavior and and You're find you and get some one-on-one so uh, advice on on certain stuff, and, and, and as it's well really from hard, I think there's uh, there's really there's, there's, there's quite a few folks now that, with mindfulness now
3: doing,
0: doing they've like, they really they'll they say in,
1: autistic people are really um, a lot of good folks with a lot of different expertise I think. Be rigid in that mindset that folks.
0: you know everything. And i uh,
1: will definitely link all the connections for that for folks so they can come. Don't me
0: you to grieve since you know, know everything. Just listen this sort of free
1: advice on the podcast, but actually get some good individualized, uh, customized stuff for <laughs> for the work they're doing. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you. You coming you're being willing to come on here and 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 talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers.
2: All right. yeah